You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. coming at you uh today i am here with my co-host chad c what's going on man what's up jack my name is chad c and excitement what are, oh i just fucked it all up you know oh, I'm, done. I'm done i'm done i'm done i'm done with the right we're, we're in the podcast end it jesus what's jesus up what's up Christ. buddy uh, dry january is over so the, the drinking has begun again so i don't know what to tell you i don't know what to tell you <laughs> it's all good it's all good fuck it we do it live fucking do it live um, right. All right. Last raw, week. Raw. <laughs> that's right. Last week, Whiplash, uh, a fucking great movie. Uh, I believe that film got an A plus from both of us. Uh, just Indeed. a great fucking reminder of how awesome that movie was. Uh, I think it went over well. What do you, what do you think? I think it was pretty great for a first show. Yeah, it was good to get back in the swing of things. Uh, I'm sure we'll only go up from here as we get this uh, formatting, new format down and everything. But yeah, I've. I've had a great time revisiting that and uh, talking Absolutely. some old whiplash. And, uh, you know, we were talking uh, the last couple of weeks. I know Chad had a little excursion, so uh, we were texting back and forth a little bit. And he mentioned, uh, you know, John Carpenter. We should, we should do a Carpenter flick. And I, I was totally into that. So we had a couple options. You know, back uh, last iteration of Movie Homework, we did do Dark Star. Um, yep. And obviously Halloween and the thing get talked about a lot on this network, but there's, you know, there's a, a bunch of other Carpenter flicks that, um, I don't know, I feel like we haven't really talked about very much, if at all, on this network. Um, so we came up with a couple options and uh, Chad, you, uh, you decided on Big Trouble in Little China and uh, I got a little piece of the trailer. So let's just uh, let's play that to set the table here. Jack Burton's coming to rescue your summer. Tell you what more can a guy ask for? 20th Century Fox presents Kurt Russell in John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. It's all in the reflexes. So, I... Alright, let, let me just... I'm going to say this up front and then I'm going to let you have your piece, alright? This has never been a movie that I have thought to rewatch. Uh, I barely even think about it in terms of John Carpenter movies. Um, so this, for me, was kind of a perfect movie homework flick to watch. But out of all the options that we threw out there, I think we were talking Prince of Darkness, They Live, Mouth of Madness. You chose this one. So what was it about Big Trouble in Little China that made you want to talk about it? This is my biggest fear. You're just going to shit all over this. <laughs> um, no. So, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've told the story without probably on the last iteration of movie home market on the network. When I was growing up, when my parents got, uh, we're going through a divorce. Uh, we, my mom's uh, side moved in with my grandma and my uncle. And so my uncle was a huge fucking movie nerd. He was all about horror movies and shit. And so he really showed me a lot of John Carpenter movies and as, as way too young, definitely way too young. Uh, and I, I do remember watching this as well because, uh, Kurt Russell is one of my dad's favorite actors. And so just growing up, had this on and I think even watching it as a kid, uh, so much of the humor went over my head. I just thought, you know, the fucking, 
the three storms really cool, the lightning and everything. And then, you know, Raiden was like my favorite Mortal Kombat character, I think, because of this, uh, this movie. And so, yeah, I I just grew up enjoying most of Carpenter's movies. And uh, this to me is his, uh, it's his really, I mean, Dark Star, like we said, it's kind of his, his stoner sci-fi comedy, but this is like the one straight comedy movie of John Carpenter's, I think. Uh, And so I think, I thought that's a pretty good, choice for us because yeah i mean he's known as the master of horror and this is definitely different for him this is a a director for hire he did not write this and uh it's got a lot of history with you know his his working with 20th century fox and the studio and everything and uh yeah so i I thought this would be a good one to talk about and get out here because yeah i don't think i feel like this one hasn't been really talked in the network at all much so yeah yeah i i can't remember it being brought up anywhere um you know even it's funny. I even uh, ended up talking about Christine uh, during my movie challenge when I was doing the 365 movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like, yeah, the guys talked about the fog on, on like a uh, horror uh, commentary, I think, or, or horror challenge for, for 31 days of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the thing gets talked about. Halloween gets talked about like, but Carpenter has this pocket of like, yes, they're not his classic, like stone cold, incredible fucking movies, but it's kind of, he's an interesting guy, right? Like I think the mm-hmm. first time I ever was aware of him as a presence, I had seen Halloween and I think I'd seen the thing at this point, but the first time I'd actually seen him speak anywhere was, uh, on the once upon a time in the West DVD. There's a documentary all about the making of that movie and they talked to like Alex Cox and Dario Argento and John Carpenter. And I remember Carpenter talking about, you know, wanting to make a Western throughout his career. And, and, you know, the opportunity just never presented itself. But he tried to add Western elements to a lot of his different films. And, you know, all these, all these kind of elements um, that sort of dot his filmography that you kind of start to see if you, if you look for it, you know. Um, yep. This movie... I think the first time I saw this was 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that. I mean, it, it just, mm-hmm. this, I, I've always known the poster, you know, the poster uh, is uh, painted by Drew Struzan. He's one of the great movie poster artists of all time. It's a classic movie poster. Um, and Kurt Russell, I think if I, I think I've said this on the network before, if I was going to make a Mount Rushmore of favorite actors, I think Kurt Russell's on there. Um, yep. He's just a dude. I I don't I don't know. I can't even tell you what his hit rate is, but I just I fucking like him. He's just a cool actor. I that's that's all I can tell you. You know, agree, um, agree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I I feel like I just I don't even I don't even want to fucking make an argument for it. It's just like yeah, Kurt <laughs> Russell's the fucking shit. Uh, fuck you if you don't think so. That's basically it. Yep. Um, and I remember watching this the first time, and I I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I was in for, and I I just didn't get it. Just didn't get it. Like, didn't get the the comedy aspects of it. Wasn't really digging the how like everything looked like it was on a set and it looked fake. And I, I don't know. The Kurt Russell performance was just weird to me. Like he had these one liners <laughs> that weren't one liners, and I couldn't wrap my head around that. Um, that being said you know, time sometimes changes your perception of a movie. And I had a really good time watching it now. Um, Very nice. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Clear. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't leave over here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch it. You know, fucking holding bated breath the whole episode here. But uh, no, I mean, there, there was just a lot to like here. Um, but I kind of want to start with Kurt Russell. Uh, I, I don't know if when I first saw this movie, it just was not as tuned into his wavelength or what. Um, you know, ever since the Hateful Eight, I, I know. Kurt Russell's got a real thing for John Wayne with a lot of his roles, and I, I can hear that here, but it doesn't oh, yeah. bother me. I, I think that he... I, I, I have to say, the movie starts and ends with Kurt Russell's performance. I think you have to like him to like this movie. Um, and it, it kind of goes from there. But, like, what... Growing up, did you always love Kurt Russell with this movie, or was it more just, like, the zaniness and the kung fu aspect and all that stuff that you kind of gravitated towards? Yeah, I mean, it, I thought he was like a cool, you know, he was a cool looking character. He's got the tank top. He's got the like the knee high moccasins and everything. But I mean, like, I, I'm not going to sit there and say that I rewatched this a ton growing up. Sure. As as uh, I'd say probably around college age, that's really when this movie for sure like hit for me. And I totally got it. And like, oh, I've fully uh, Evil Dead 2 is one of my favorite fucking movies of all time. The, the zaniness, the humor, the slapstick. And I mean, this that, that's really what hits home for me with this. And if you're yeah, if you're not on the same wavelength of it as it and you're going in expecting like a scary Carpenter movie, this is the totally opposite of that. It is. I mean, the, the whole the whole setup for this movie is the sidekick performing like the leading man and the leading man uh, acts like the, the sidekick, but he doesn't even really know it. And he mm. thinks he's the leading man. And so that's that's exactly what Jack Burton is. Right. I mean. Wang Chi is the, the he knows all the martial arts. He's fucking destroying everyone, and Jack is right. just the, the the goofy fucking shooting holes in the ceiling and knocking himself out for the final fight scene, and then getting trapped under a fucking dude with armor for half the fight scene. And right. yeah, it's yeah the the comedy of this is just it just really works all around for me. And I think I mean like even Kim Cattrall's character Gracie Law, her name's Gracie Law. She's a fucking lawyer. Like she knows what movie she's in, and and she's even playing it up. Uh, to, so I think, yeah. Originally, this movie uh, Carpenter wanted Clint Eastwood, and that's a totally different movie. This movie does does not work at that point, right? I don't, I don't think it does. It's way more serious. Uh, Jack Nicholson, I think, was up for it at one point too. But I mean, Kurt, yeah, he's doing a John Wayne impression in this movie, and it is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, super ridiculous. Yeah, I but mean, it's so good have... about it. If you have either of those other guys, then the movie I think immediately loses its comic book of like appeal. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got to have somebody who is can be a leading man, but like can also be a goofball. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I see a version with Nicholson, but I think it's a darker performance. You know, yeah. um, mm -hmm. I kind of because I can't get the shining out of my head. You know, so I just feel <laughs> no, like it would be sure. Jack Torrance instead of Jack Burton, which. I'm not going to say I wouldn't want to see that, but at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think the vibe of this movie needs Kurt Russell. Definitely. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, there, I just found a lot to like here. And, and one thing, you know, uh, it's funny, you know, when you're watching a movie by a filmmaker who's actually thinking through their camera moves and how they want to convey an idea. It, you know, I, I watched, um, I watched that De Palma documentary again not too long ago. And one of the things he talks about in that is how he's always thinking about a shot and how it can convey an idea 
or like what it's accomplishing. So the idea of like, you know, getting coverage is, is just like blasphemy to him. Right. Um, you know, I'm not saying Carpenter necessarily has a unique camera angle for everything that he shoots, but there's a lot of smart things that he does. Like for instance, when, uh, when Burton first gets out of the truck, um, with, with Wang and they kind of run around the block, he, you know, dashes some water on his face and they're kind of like moving around to get away from the three storms and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's not a long take, but it's like a, it's like a, it's like a 60 second take of them running around the block and, and gives you geography of where you are. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of filmmakers who I don't think would do something like that. They just kind of like cut the scenes together and, you know, shot counter shot and move on. Um, yep. There's also that moment where Wang and, Oh, what's the, why do I think his name's Tom? Tommy? Um, oh, the, the, the guy who he meets in the rest, uh, uh, Burton meets in the restaurant. Fuck, what's his name? Uh, the two of them are, are trying to fight some of Lopan's warriors, and it's like two women on a bridge, and they have nunchucks. And um, the two of them, while they're fighting, the camera gets behind one of the fighters and sort of like tracks them as if it, it were almost like a video game angle. Um, which I thought was kind of simple, but like pretty cool. Um, again, I, I think I, you might see a, a different filmmaker just kind of set up the camera in the corner of the room and, and call it a day. Um, a lot of little stuff like that I, I was into. Um, it's a question. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the, the first scene in the movie, the egg Shen is explaining, uh, you know, he's explaining Jack. Jack's this hero. He's, uh, what did you right. think about that scene? So I, so I seem to remember hearing that that was like added after a test screening because <laughs> audiences were pissed off or, or like didn't understand the, like what Jack Burton was in the movie. So yeah, Barry Diller was a, a Fox executive who, uh, he didn't think, uh, yeah, after test screenings, he didn't think that Jack was heroic enough. And so it had to be fucking thrown in your face, uh, like, hey, this guy's a hero. Like, he really is. So this was, yeah, it was added post. And I, I would highly, highly, highly recommend the, uh, it was probably 2000, 2001, the, uh, the DVD commentary with uh, Carpenter and Kurt Russell. Uh, and, and this opening scene, they're just destroying like Carpenter is just like, this is so stupid. Like that's, this is not the point. The whole point of this movie is that he's a fucking goofball. Like he's not the hero. He's the sidekick. And so, yeah, that, that scene, I think uh, we'll get to the later, the super superlatives, but, uh, that that's one scene that just doesn't really hold up. It just like opens, but then you get the pork chop express with the fucking, the anthem, the theme coming in, right. uh, just roaring down the road. But yeah, that's, that, that scene's always just fucking cracks me up <laughs> it's <Yeah. so> pointless. <laughs> and from what i read apparently this was originally written to be a western right so yeah uh-huh nope. you can kind of see where they could translate things um i don't know pr pretty easily like okay it's not a truck it's probably a horse right horse, and then, yep, exactly <laughs> and then like you i guess could still have low pan and uh the, that whole situation you really don't need to change a whole lot i'm, I'm trying to think no. of like you know, the setting's different, so there, there'll be, like, technological differences, but I, fuck, I mean, they could even still get lost in a well instead of, like, under a sewer, you know? I mean, it's... Yeah, oh, yeah. It's kind of yeah, all there. He could still deliver the meat on the back of the horse, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, what was it, uh, W.D. Richter's the guy who, like, modernized his script, who did, which I've actually never seen, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. 
which mm-hmm. uh, I know that's a pretty classic, goofy, slapsticky movie as well, which yeah, yeah. I'm sure this pulled a lot from. So it's why he was he was good for that. But yeah, yeah, um, a lot, a lot of uh, I don't know, just a lot of fun. It, it's it's tough for me to pinpoint like like a lot of things that I had gripes with with this movie because I think I was able to kind of meet this where where it was. Um, you know, one of the things that has always bothered me with this flick was the Kim Cattrall performance. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's super cheese. It's a little <laughs> bit cringy, but you know what? She's not the only one that's doing that. I, I mean, yeah. I think Kurt Russell is too. And I don't know. I, I feel like this time I had a much better grasp of this is just the style they're going for, you know? And I gotta, I gotta kind of like, decide whether or not I'm going to take the bad with the good of that. And I think, I think this time I was much more willing to take the bad, the, you know, just kind of taking it stride. But. Yeah. No, I, I love Kip Patrol in this movie. I I love Mannequin. It's a really bad later eighties movie sure as well. So like those two eighties movies, like, yeah, I just, I, I really like her in this movie, but yeah, I, like, like I said at the beginning, like if you're not on this wavelength and you're going in expecting, then yeah, I can, I can totally see people fucking absolutely hating this movie, but it's, it's not, not a serious movie. It's not. Meant yeah. To be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as far as the direction and the score goes, I, I gotta say, so we, I think we both love Carpenter. Um, you know, I think you're an even bigger fan than I am, but I, how can you not love the guy? You know, just, he's made the movies that he's made. He has done a lot in terms of inspiring other filmmakers in, in like showing them that, you know, make a movie entertaining, make it something that an audience actually wants to see and don't get too, don't get your head too far up your own ass about what it actually means. Right. Um, I think that this movie is, is like one of the best examples of that because this, I I don't know what this movie means. I don't think there's any message to this movie. There's no like theme really. It's, it's literally just, let's see if the hero can, you know, get the girl and he does it's just that the hero isn't Kurt Russell, which is <laughs> fucking hilarious, you know. Yep. Um, yeah, there's you're spot on. I mean, there's that that yeah. Don't try to pull any deep meaning out of this movie by any means. They're having fucking you know old school. He, he's pulling for so many just like classic kung fu movies and stuff. The whole uh, which I I never even realized. I haven't seen a lot of like old old kung fu movies, but the even the uh, fuck uh, Jesus Christ, Lo Pan and. Uh, Egg can scene at the end of the little fucking finger fight where they're, you know, right. like the, the projections are, I guess that's like pulled directly from like old school Kung Fu movies, which I haven't, I guess I've not seen that in those, but yeah, it's just, just a mashup. It, it reminds me a lot of like, you know, all these filmmakers, you know, copy other people or take things from other people. We've talked about that with Tarantino in the past. And yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with every, every decade's doing it, right? They're all just taking things from movies they love and throwing it into these. And this is, I mean, this is so many genres in this movie. Like it's sci-fi, horror, fucking action, comedy. It's just yep. so many things sprinkled Monster into this movie thing. for a little bit there. And... <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Not with no explanation at all. Where like, where are these fucking cave creatures come from essentially or how they domesticate them sometimes <laughs> or like what they're doing <laughs> exactly um but yeah you know you said uh, about filmmakers borrowing elements from other movies there's uh again the days of like the dvd extras it probably was mystic river or million dollar baby but i remember one of those had you know clint eastwood interview where 
he is talking about his filmmaking style and he's compare he's kind of saying like look i'm a i'm a pro we're all product we're all a product of our influences right and he was talking specifically about don siegel the action director who he made uh like escape at alcatraz and dirty harry with and how he learned a lot from don siegel and translated that into his own movies um you know, I remember the the day when because I had seen Boogie Nights before I saw Raging Bull, seeing Raging Bull after the fact, and then realizing, oh, this is why people say PTA steals from Scorsese. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I actually like that Carpenter. He he kind of does the same thing Tarantino does, where he puts everything in a blender in this movie, and he grabs a lot of different sources of inspiration, and makes it this weird, like funny comic book feel mishmash of a lot of different things. Um, the ironic thing to me though, is that I had heard this before and I think it's kind of obvious when you watch the movie with certain elements, but I didn't, I, I, this is the first time that I watched this movie knowing full well, just how influential it was on the mortal Kombat games. Mm -hmm. Um, so you said it before there's Raiden, uh, Lopan is, is kind of a Shang Tsung character. But mm. even the fight between Wang and one of the storms, there are moves and like noises that they make during that fight. Granted, they're coming out of other Kung Fu movies, but I mean, it, it fucking looks like Liu Kang sometimes. Not quite a bicycle kick, <laughs> but like, you know, full body outstretched, you know, b- butterfly kicks and shit like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it was kind of, it's kind of interesting. Like even when uh, Egg Shen, he blocks the, uh, like magic bolt with the fan. I mean, how many mm-hmm. times has that been used in Mortal Kombat? As, like, oh, a yeah, absolutely. From the female characters, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was just like little pieces of of like Americanized Western culture in this movie that I, I you know, Ed Boon, fucking creator of Mortal Kombat. He, I, if they didn't put Big Trouble in Little China and John Carpenter, special thanks in the credits for the first game. They're, <laughs> they're lying to themselves. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah just just crazy. Um, all right, man. Well, there's a, there's a lot in this movie, um, that I want to talk about, but I think the best way to do it is probably by firing off some of our, uh, superlative awards for Big Trouble in Little China. So, uh, uh, Chad, you want to, you want to kick us off with one of these? Um, sure. Let's, why don't we start with the Valley? You know, why not? Okay. Cause okay. you're here. So let's do it. How this is, uh, the punchable face or possibly the overacting a little bit. Okay. Um, what, what, we're, all right, what, do you want me to do that? Do, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first here? Uh, why don't you throw one out, and then we'll uh, we'll chat it up. Okay. Uh, so my, granted, he knows what movie he's in, but his face just annoys the shit out of me. It's Carter Wong, who is uh, Thunder, the, the <laughs> dude, dude who can blow himself up. He's just yeah. always, uh, yeah, the face is just always, he acts so much with his face, and he's, he's just doing random, like, or like the, the the sword scene where they both fucking go up. That whole scene where he's just oh, like yeah. putting on the demonstration for him. That just like I want to punch this guy in the face so bad. Uh, so I'm leaning more in that. <laughs> he's also like a weirdly fat, skinny dude. Like he has a weird <laughs> yeah. physique where he's uh, doing these moves, and he, you could see he's got like a little bit of a belly, but he he looks athletic enough, so you can't really you can't figure it out. You know, he's got like like roid belly or something. You know, oh, he's yeah, got it's like the, a very the look to him. Uh huh. Yeah. Pregnant abs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But if you so, look at his IMDb picture, he's fucking just yoked here. He's just fucking flexing. Pretty, of course, pretty he is. Of course. <laughs> fucking guy. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can buy that, but I, uh, so I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to have an honorable mention and then I'm going to tell you the one that I'm giving the award to. Okay. okay. I am and you're going to, I think you're going to be upset at both of these, but I, I don't really care. Um, it's all good. Dennis Dunn is Wang Chi. Uh, I like him overall, but the, another one of the just random fucking elements that's dropped into this movie is they all go to take a, a sip of the special elixir and he gives this toast to the American Army Navy. I, <laughs> the one piece of the, the, the one moment in the movie where I, I kind of just like looked at it. I, I looked, I was watching the movie by myself, but I looked around and I was like, oh God, do I, I need to take a shower. That's just, that's terrible. <laughs> Hey, I got no fault with it. I got no fault with it. He does. Yeah. He definitely overacts a little bit in the first half hour of this movie, for sure. Just screaming, yeah, Jack! A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Um, but the person I'm going to give the award to is, unfortunately, Kim Cattrall. I, oh, I'm, not, I'm not there. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's fine in the movie overall. But, man, I, I, you can't tell me that there wasn't a better actress for this role. Uh, she's just not... She's not doing anything for me. I, I, she's 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 rough. She's rough. So it also doesn't nope. help. And this might be uh, part of the problem. And I should have had this prepared beforehand. Um, there's a clip. Um, yes, here it is. It's on YouTube. Fantastic. I'm going to play you a clip. Okay, and it is from not that long ago. Honestly, uh, so this clip. Looks like it was uploaded to YouTube five years ago, but I think this predates it. Um, it is one of those like highfalutin VH1, uh, I don't know, cribs, MTV cribs kind of things, but for like upper uh, Manhattan socialites. Okay. Uh, I don't know how this audio is going to come across, but I'll just let you listen to it. I read poetry and sonnets, and he plays the upright bass. Yamakipiebo, cedere fakebo, in dog Latin, he quoth, uge, sophisere! Well, he bit all the he dogs and winked at all the she dogs. The town never knew such a hullabaloo as that little dog raised till the end of that day. What Kim Cattrall is doing here is freestyle scat singing with her husband. It is the most, issues. It's the most cringe fucking I am uh, an actor <laughs> here everything that I can give you because it is a gift from God fucking bullshit I can imagine. I have never seen her in anything I've liked, and I think it goes right back to this clip, so... <laughs> That's what I was about to say. It sounds like you're bringing uh, outside forces into her performances, Mr. Valley. Uh-huh. I think I am, and it's her fault, so she gets the award. She gets the value. <laughs> hey, I don't. I see no issues with that. I fucking... I might put that on my Spotify right after this. Can you send me a link for that? <laughs> <laughs> Listen... What you fap to in your own fucking time, that's on you, all right, pal? I think I could pull up an episode of Sex in the City if I wanted to to do that. I've never seen one of those, but she's sure. gets naked in that a lot from what I gather. Um, sure, sure. Have a good I was time. Checked out. I was checked out by then. <laughs> okay, I, I got no issues. I know issues with, with your uh, your uh, punchable faces here. <laughs> can't, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. All right, uh, I'm going to throw another one out there. Let's uh, Let me give you the PJ, okay? The PJ award is for 
a casting swap because it dovetails nicely with this. So obviously my first thought is got to get Kim Cattrall out of this movie. So who in 1986 would be the right age and maybe the right type of person to play that role. And I had a first thought and then I had no other thoughts beyond that. If it was me, I would put Kim Basinger in there. Um, she plays Vicki Vale in Batman a couple years after this. I think that she could maybe ham it up a bit, but at least give the veneer of, I don't know, just, just a little professionalism that, that Kim Cattrall has not given me here. So if it's me, I'm going to go Kim Basinger as uh, as Miss Law. So. Okay. Um, I'm not going to I'm not gonna touch Miss Kim Cattrall. I'm going to leave her alone because I'm not a bully. Uh, yeah, but, but you'd like to, though, wouldn't you? You fucking liked it. Not gonna say I haven't touched Kim Control, but um, so I'm gonna lean into the the Dennis Dunn with you here, okay? Because originally this was gonna be Jackie Chan. Carpenter wanted Jackie Chan, but the executives also said his English was not good enough yet. So that just made me thinking, like, oh, I don't think Dennis Dunn does a bad job with the, the the martial arts in this, but I think that would elevate it even more a little bit. So that would be my only, yeah, that's like the what if it could have been a thing. So that, that I, I don't, I couldn't take my mind off that once I was like, read that. I'm like, all right, Jackie Chan and Kurt Russell together would have been pretty fucking sweet. So oh man. That's where I'm at. It would have elevated the action too, right? Because oh, yeah. you, you got to think that the moment that Jackie Chan enters the movie, you get yourself some set pieces that, uh, yeah. Oh man, that would have been great. Fuck. Mm-hmm. That, that would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right, What what do you got next? Let's go with the Kupka. The The old scene stealer. Um, All right. I'm going to start. I'll go with. uh, It's really hard not to go with James Hong as Lopan here. Sure. Uh, The dude is just a fucking. I mean, he's a legend. He's he's got 451 acting credits on his IMDb, and he's fucking. I think he turned 94 in a few weeks and still pumping him out. He was just in everything, everywhere, all at once last year. Yeah, I mean, it could be he could be in best picture of the year. So yeah, exactly, the dude is still chugging along. He was fifty seven at the when this movie was made, and just wow. kept just keeps going. Uh, it, he's just so funny in this movie too. He knows what movie he's in. I, I think one of my favorite quotes is like when he's he's just going on about once uh, Egg Shin is in there. He's like that little bastard sorcerer brought him down through the. Right, right. I, and I think he's just he's just really funny in this movie and every scene he's in. He's not in probably in like only fifteen minutes of screen time all in all, but I just think he's he's great every scene he's in. Uh, that's who I got. What about you? Yeah, he's dude. He's an all time creepy faced villain. Um, and also, I think we have to. Uh, John Carpenter probably has to thank the special effects department of this movie. Um, when we see Lopan, you know, sitting in a wheelchair, uh, little did anybody know at the time that John Carpenter was basically looking into a mirror 40 years in the future. So, <laughs> so there you go. He's got his whole you're style not, from Lopan. You're not, you're not wrong. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't think about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go for uh, the Chad C. I'm sorry, <clears throat> the Pete MC Award. And the Pete MC Award is for best use of music in the movie um for me i (laughs) i don't know that there's one scene i think i'm just going to take this opportunity and chad maybe you're going to do the same 
I'm just going to take this opportunity to play a little bit of a John Carpenter score because he makes some of the best fucking scores. So let's, you know, take a slice of Pork Chop Express here. Carpenter's scores are always just very simple, layered sounds with synthesizers. I'm a sucker for them, man. I, I just, I don't know what to tell you. I, I love the guy's scores. I really do. They're all so good. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I listen to them all regularly. Like, uh, even, like, I haven't seen... Prince of Darkness is one of my lesser seen Carpenter movies, probably, I would say. And I still love the score for that movie. It's fucking incredible. Um, my personal favorite song of this movie uh, i think i sent it to you last night it's the the coupe de villes it's the 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 closing credit song it's fucking incredible it's it's oh, nick castle oh oh, oh you, you mean one? you mean this song <laughs> we better run run into the mystic night want to dance I, around my room oh dude I, I i again like i just didn't pay attention to this movie over the years so i had no idea that existed like didn't, it is so fucking no so Wild. corny and cheesy and yeah fucking three directors nick castle tommy lee wallace who did halloween three and you got fucking carpenter <laughs> it's fucking i great. highly highly recommend everybody listening to this right now stop your de- are you on the road wait until you get to your destination but other than that stop whatever you're doing Swipe over to YouTube, look up the music video for that. It is, it's, it's a fucking gem, man. It's a fucking uh, gem. Super great, yeah. Carpenter's on the, on the, just basing it out there. Um, I think my favorite use of music in the actual movie, though, is the, uh, is it Abduction at Airport? The song on the soundtrack. Uh, mm, it's just fucking yep. that. Don't, no, 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 no. It's the under, but yeah, I, I think that's a great score. But yeah, I, I, I think, man, top to bottom, this is probably in my top three favorite scores of his. Honestly, like it. It's really good. It, it does it balances between the rock and the synth a lot, uh, which a lot of his are just straight synth, of course. And of course, the Halloween theme is it is what it is. You know. But yeah. yeah, I think I think that's probably my favorite in in movie uh, song. You know what? I think another element of of Carpenter's scores and like what makes them great, they feel original. They all feel very original, even if they're based on very simple musical melodies. Mm-hmm. You get the sense that when if it's the thing or Halloween, Prince of Darkness, anything, you really get the sense that he sat in a recording studio for like a week and had an idea for how it was supposed to sound, and then just like found the right beats for it and made that sound. It doesn't ever feel as though it's based on something else. Uh, there are a lot of composers out there, especially now that try to make scores with synthesizers in the way that Carpenter did. And there are a lot of good ones, but I feel like nobody really gets to Carpenter's level. And I I don't know if I can pinpoint why that is, but his stuff just feels special. It feels original in a way other stuff doesn't, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's... I would like... I've never seen him in a concert. It's pretty much what his whole... uh 
last 10 years have been him and his son Cody just going on tour and it's like closest they've come to me I think is Chicago and it's like the middle of winter so I'm like I'm oh, going yeah. there but yeah I would, next time he's touring there's no chance I'm missing it yeah we'll we'll have to we'll have to collaborate on that one because I, th- I think he's a must see for me if he tours again so mm-hmm, definitely but, um, what are we um, up for the next category let's do the Ammon let's do the best okay. quote okay um there's so many good ones I mean Jack's got just so many one-liners in this, like the one I fucked up at the beginning. I'm not going to repeat it. We'll go back there. Um, uh, I think though, I, I don't know the, the the elevator scene after they take the potion and he's just chilling in there and he's looking around all smiling. He's like, "I'm not scared at all. I feel kind of invincible." I don't know. I, I've said that. I, I feel kind of invincible so many times throughout the last yeah. like, ten years. Uh, so that's probably my favorite. But I mean, there's yeah, there, there's so many good ones. Uh, I don't know. What's your favorite personal one? Yeah, I mean, Jack Burton is like a human jukebox. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's so many. But again, I think when I first saw this, if you are not into the style of this movie, then none of this is going to hit right for you. But if you're on board, so many good lines. I, I got to say, it's one of the first lines in the movie, but I love it. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir. The check is in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's just classic. You can't get better than that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, well, so we've got two superlatives left, and I'm just thinking about one of them. Let me go with the TM for now. So the TM is what holds up the best or the worst. Um, I talked about it a bit in the run-up uh, to our superlatives here. But I think the thing that aged the best for me, believe it or not, I think it's actually the special effects in the movie. Um, yep. I, I think you could say Carpenter's Direction, you could put the score here. Um, you could put the sort of iconic performance from Kurt Russell. But despite the fact that this movie has like floating eyeball orbs. Um, <laughs> the Guardian, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, magical fucking samurai guardian warrior fights, uh, you know, flying, the, the, the three flying storms, Lopan's ability to, you know, matriculate through walls and all this crazy shit going on. Carpenter just knows how to make this shit palatable, how to light it properly and just make it look good. Um, even the simple stuff, you know, there's a scene where uh, we, we see where... Uh, with, with uh, Miao Yin, that's her name, right? Miao mm-hmm. Miao Yun, Miao Yin. Yeah. Yep. Um, where we see that she's being held in this room and she's essentially just floating in front of a wall. Now we all know there's a platform there and she's sitting on it, but you know what? It looks like she's floating. It does. It, it's just it's simple yep. effect. It's well done. Uh, another moment. Lopan sitting in a wheelchair, where like the magic light starts coming out of his hands and transforming him. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a little cheesy, but you know what? It's a real effect, and it looks good. I, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I don't have too much criticism for that. There's a giant random fucking like cockroach under the, <laughs> the sewer um, <laughs> that eats a guy. Yeah, it's fake, but you know what? It, it kind of fucking works. Like mm-hmm. everything works with the tone of the movie, and more than anything else, I I, I think that that really holds up everything looks very consistent i think the set production is very well done for what they're going for it's not realistic but it's not supposed to be and i I actually really like it for that i think that's held up really well for this flick 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I had that written down as well as part of my what what held the best. I mean, the, the lightning even from the uh, rain just psh, all it looked that's look all looks great. Um, the score obviously I have that written down as well. Those are those are the main two things. Like they both hold up so well and. Like I think we talked like the sets. I love the the final like Lopan's wedding. The the neon set there that fucking is such yeah. so cool. That comes down from that fucking staircase. Uh, all of that I think holds up. They're in fucking nineteen eighty six and yeah, I was like, wow, I the, the lightning just really impressed me. I, I, I it could look super fake and ridiculous in another movie, but it, this it just really works in this one. So yeah, that's where I'm yeah. at. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, so one left, right? The Chad C. That's right. Which uh, is most entertaining, which I don't think I'm that entertaining, but uh, I'm going to go with the alley fight scene, the, the beginning of the movie here. As soon as Pork Chop Express goes into the alley, I think that scene alone, you're going to, you kind of know what movie you're in for, and you're going to be in or you're going to be out based on that because there's a, it starts out with a gunfight and it instantly goes into kung fu, and then we get the three storms showing up. And they're starting to fuck people up, and then Jack Jack gets in his trip the pork chop express and runs straight over Lopan, and it's just this ridiculous all giant action scene. But I think that is probably the most entertaining for me. Uh, what about you? I, I go for the climax. I really love the okay. end of this movie. Um, you know, it's it's simple, it's out of nowhere, and it's just funny. Like the fact that. Lopan throws a knife at Jack Burton and he literally in an instant just hocks it back at his forehead. That's fucking hilarious, man. Like, I remember, again, seeing this movie back in the day for the first time and being kind of pissed off and just like, that's the end of the movie? Really? You know, that's it? But I think I was still in the headspace of Kurt Russell's the hero and he's not. And once you get that joke and you're on board for that, I think everything else falls into place here. Um, and that that really worked for me this time. So I uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it sets it up so well at the beginning, right? He chops the bottle all in the reflectors and it comes full circle there. All He caught the fucking knife. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Right, right. Such good shit. Um, and as I'm looking at things, I'm realizing that I was a real fucking moron and I didn't play any of the sounders for the superlatives. <laughs> so we're going to play all of them right now. Oh. Dynamite drop. There we go. All right. Fucking A. Fuck it. I was wondering if there was a reason. I didn't know if that was like a one episode thing. You know, we, just, we tested it out. and <laughs> Yeah, it's not a one episode thing. It's just uh, me not paying attention. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll get it down. A few more of these okay. will be golden people. Um, <laughs> Baby, so, steps. Baby steps. That's right. So, uh, Chad, I was wondering if you had any box office information for us. Yes, I do. So this movie fucking bombed. So hard and so fast. What a shock. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This came out July 2nd of 1986. Uh, it actually released with a couple pretty pretty big ones here. Great Mouse Detective from Walt okay. Disney. That was a fucking big animated movie for me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Psycho 3. Okay. Fucking Anthony Perkins. Uh, and then uh, The Howling 2 was also July 4th weekend. Uh, it opened to number 12. <laughs> that Jesus. didn't even make it the top 10. And uh, overall, hold on, I've got I've got the box office mojo. It made a total of eleven million dollars domestically, uh, all in. Opening weekend was two point seven million, and so yeah, it was a huge bomb. And this this released right around like Labyrinth was a few weeks before uh, Legend. A lot of like you know, Ridley Scott, like a lot of these fantasy movies, I think were done at that point. They just didn't gross well. Um, but then of course, a little movie called Aliens released two weeks after this, which 
Carpenter and uh, Russell talk about this was completely overlooked and out of theaters really by that time. So yeah. it was just a huge bomb. So uh, it was very overshadowed by a lot of movies, but 100% found its second life with home video and it's a, considered a cult classic at this point. So That's it is, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. All right. Like, so oh, let, Jesus. Let me ask you this then. So, you know, I kind of figured this movie bombed pretty heavily, but if you were making this movie, how do you market this? Like, like how, what angle do you go for to get asses in seats for this movie? I mean, is it the Kurt Russell of it all? Or can you use John Carpenter's name? I mean, the thing kind of bombed too, right? The so, thing bombed. Well, see, Carpenter was coming off a lot of goodwill because he just came off Starman yeah. right before this, which got Jeff Bridges an Oscar nomination. And so he, well, he did Christine right after the thing, I believe. So he had, you know, that was pretty popular as well. And so going into this, yeah, they gave him a pretty big budget. And then uh, it, it, this is talked about on the commentary as well. That he says that 20th Century Fox only gave him about $3 million in advertising for this movie. So he blames a lot of the advertising on how big of a flop it was. But, yeah, it's it's a tough call. I, I mean, it, it, you're not marked. Because I feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's what most people were probably expecting with this movie. And yeah. it's not that. It's, it leans way more into the comedy. Not that there's not a comedy in Raiders, but... Yeah, it's a tough sell. I think eighty six. I I, th- I just think that this movie is so helped by by home video and people really kind of getting it. And then Evil Dead a few years later, Evil Dead two at least a few years later, and that yeah. that comedy element just really I don't know. It just really works for it. So yeah, I think, yeah you just, just have to know what movie you're watching. So. It, it just makes you wonder because there, I mean we we see this stuff all the time, right? There, there's there's cult movies, but then there's also just you know overlooked movies, right? Like. Uh, you know, Shawshank is not a cult movie, but it absolutely found its footing on home video and is what it is today because of that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Darabont even talks about that and how the box office returns were not, like, stellar for that movie. Um, this obviously falls into the cult category of, of, like, cult films, cult classics and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's it's such a... We kind of said it before, but, like, it's such a blend of so many different things that I wonder if that is ultimately the, the the biggest thing that, like, hurts the movie. Like, its biggest strength is actually its biggest weakness in that how do you describe this movie to somebody other than it's like a, I don't know, kung fu mystical comedy action <laughs> film? I, yeah. I don't know. Sci-fi monster, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, throw everything at it kind of thing. But, yeah, um, yeah. Weirdly, it, it, it's almost like it tries to appeal to a lot of different demographics, and then uh, you know, clearly, it didn't really appeal to anybody when it first came out. But I mean, but yeah. that that kind of leans into the next thing I had here written down. So it's been rumored for the last five or so years that The Rock has been trying to get the remake of this made. Oh man! And I mean, it. I feel like, like we've talked about for the last hour, this movie works so well because Kurt Russell is willing to lose. He's willing to be the loser. He's willing to be the, the goofball. I can't see The Rock doing that. I feel like The Rock is going to be the fucking the, the brawny hero. And I just, no, I, please, don't do this, Rock. Don't do this, please. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think The Rock has done a lot to kind of uh, murder his stock over the last two, three years with the Black Adam stuff. Hopefully. Um, yeah, I don't want to see him in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, wow. But you're actually opening the door for a question, though, if they are going to remake it, because they have remade a lot of Carpenter movies. You got to think at some point, somebody is either going to try to remake this or reboot it. And hmm, 
There's a lovely person named Wyatt Russell who shot out of Kurt Russell's PP that should be in this role. Okay. <laughs> Wyatt Russell would be good. I actually, he might be a little bit old for the role. I don't know, but uh, man, I'd love to see Paul Rudd in it. It'd be a way different performance. Mm, that would but be interesting. <laughs> he's got a he's got a weird, quirky kind of aspect to him that I think might work for something like this. But. Could be interesting. Could be interesting. Yeah. I could get behind it a little bit. A little bit. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question for you. This is our extra credit superlative here. Uh, and there's no sounder attached to this one, so I am not forgetting to play it before I ask. But uh, if you were going to swap any character in this movie out for a binge staffer, who would they be? Um, so, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. No, go no, no. I think this is the easiest one that we'll probably ever do for me. Uh, Interesting. Okay. So there's a there's a <laughs> there's a certain creature we've talked about who is uh, <laughs> fucking, this fucking you know Bigfoot s character, and you got to just throw Sass right into there, right? He's technically a binge staffer. Uh, you get Sass walking around here grabbing fucking Gracie. He's in the back of fucking Jack's truck at the end. It's perfect. It's perfect. Get okay. Sass in this fucking movie. <laughs> okay. You did not go in the direction I thought you were gonna go. I. <laughs> I thought you were going to say replace the cave monster with GC and just oh, well, all over the place. Well, that could yeah. be. That could work. That, that could work. work. Um, I'm going to tell you the version of the movie that I want to see with Bench Staffer, and it is I want to see Big Trouble in Little China with Jack Burton, played by none other than Ammon Gilbert. Uh, Ooh, okay. <laughs> again, it's a different energy, but I'm telling you, I think he's the guy. I think he's the fucking guy to do it. I think... You know, he walks up to an eyeball monster. You know, what the fuck, man? This is weird. You know, <laughs> oh just, yeah, yep. I, I think it writes itself. He's got the right attitude for it. I could absolutely see Ammon as a uh, you know a beef trucker, and uh, yeah, I just if I was going to make a swap, I think that's the one to make. Yeah, the only thing I, I just so Jack's whole thing is that he's so curious in this movie, right? I think there's like a YouTube supercut you can look at. And it's like four and a half minutes of him just asking questions the whole movie because that's what he does most of this movie. Ammon would just be too high, so he'd just be like offering people edibles and shit. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I'm fucking, ah, oh, what, what? You just kind of go with the flow, I feel, with the whole movie. So, okay, yeah, different movie, but I can, I can get behind that. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, all right, man. Um, I think the last thing we got to do here is just uh, give this thing a letter grade and uh, send people off until next time. So, um, you know what? I am going to go first on this, if that's uh, if that's all right with you, sir. Go for it, man. So, I, I think I, I said it up front. I, I don't have a lot of history with this movie because I've seen it maybe three times now. Uh, and the first two times didn't stick with me, didn't resonate. I don't know if it was the style of the movie, didn't get the performance, what it was. Watching it this time, I feel like I watched it for the first time in a lot of ways. Um, remembered a handful of scenes, but the ins and outs, the what have yous, um, that was all not brand new to me, but, but fresh, you know, um, stuff that I didn't remember watching before. Uh, really like Kurt Russell, really like this as a Carpenter movie. It's so much different than his other stuff while still being his, his style, his look, his feel, his score, um, I, yeah, I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I kind of want to watch it again. I think I might watch it again this weekend. Um, I liked it that okay. much. Because it's just like a, 
to me, it's a perfect background movie. You know, you just throw mm-hmm. this on, and from scene to scene, there's like a different location and different crazy shit happening on screen. And which it's probably like a perfect movie to throw on at a party. You know, just have it on in the background and yeah. dip in, dip yeah. out, have another beer, or whatever. <laughs> um, I think it is a solid. I'm going to go with a B. I'm going to go with a, a solid B for this movie. With right. the potential for, I think, maybe B-plus on another rewatch. Very nice. I got no fault for that. You started out and not... I I, I was very scared. Uh, I sent you that video last night and you said Jesus back. And I was like, oh God, he fucking hates it. He hates this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be an argument the whole time, which is fine. We'll, we'll get there probably, I'm sure. Shit happens. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Man... I, I just love this movie. I think it's so funny to me. It's such a fucking... I love the pacing of it. I love the random, like... Most of the time I hate that in movies, like the exposition dumps that are in this movie, too. Like, yeah. oh my god, not the uh, the Lords of Death, the Chinese street gang who controls the underworld. <laughs> like, It's just so ridiculous. But I just love that they lean into it so much. This is going to be a... a it's going to be an A for me. I'm not going to go A+, plus, but it's an A. It, it's just... I, I've, I just think it's so funny. It's probably in my top, like... Uh, definitely in my top three Carpenter movies, probably behind Halloween and The Thing. Uh, okay. I, it, it rotates, man. I, they Live, Escape from New York, those five just kind of fluctuate with me. Um, I just think it's super fun. Yeah, I I got no complaints with this movie. I, I Yeah, it's a solid A. Solid A. Not quite the A+, plus, but A. A for me. So. All right. Well, outstanding. All right, man. Um, really good shit. I'm glad that we, we did this movie. Um, and this is exactly why I like doing movie homework. It's great to talk about a movie that you love, but it's even better to rediscover a movie that uh, maybe you didn't see under the best circumstances the first time and, you know, kind of gives you an opportunity to reassess, reevaluate, and maybe find something you like about it. So, great pick. Great fucking pick. Um, all right. Seven zero eight four zero six nine five four six is the phone number. Uh, binge movie homework at gmail.com is the email address, so you can find us there. Uh, please subscribe on on uh, the new feed here and tell your friends about it. Uh, only movie homework will be on this feed, so you know make sure you subscribe if you want to get these episodes in the future. And uh, Chad and I will be talking offline about what uh, the next film will be. We'll iron that out, and uh, you know maybe get a hint out there. As, uh, as as the uh, recording date pops up. so um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, at Binge Media everywhere. And make sure you're subscribing on Patreon, five bucks a month. That gets you the free uh, full binge. Any additional shows that we put on that feed, as well as access to early versions of the binge cast and uh, all sorts of other stuff. Um, Chad, anything else we got to get out there? No, nah, man. I just think we really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Jack? Didn't we? <laughs> I didn't fuck that one up. I didn't fuck that one up. <laughs> uh, I gotta get out of here, this fucking guy. <laughs> wow, fucking on, what it, the it, fuck? It. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. All right, man. I'm saying peace. Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash bingemedia, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. <laughs>